When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies, and today we are talking anatomy and fascia and breathing. And we slip some diastasis in there and get some pelvic floor, some diaphragmatic breathing, just some juicy, juicy stuff. And I have Jill Miller here to talk all about that. She is the co-founder of Tune Up Fitness Worldwide. She has over 30 years of study as a yoga teacher in anatomy and movement. And it's a really juicy, juicy topic. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear that. But before we jump into that conversation, I want to say a special thank you to Maria and Nanette, two women that donated to the Yoga Birth Babies podcast just yesterday. It was kind of amazing. I was out and about and I checked my phone and two separate donations. So a deep thank you to them. It is that type of kindness that really helps the Yoga Birth Babies podcast continue. It is truly a passion project of mine. I feel blessed to have the opportunity to speak with so many amazing speakers about such rich topics that support the pregnant person and postpartum and the path into motherhood and about babies and yoga. But it, it definitely helps when people can support. So if that is something that you have the means to, please know we have a donation button on the Prenatal Yoga Center website. And if you also have a moment and donations not in your ability, which I respect, please take a moment then to run over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a rating interview. That helps others find us. And again, hopefully this rich material can help inform and support anyone through pregnancy, postpartum, parenthood, and during the yoga experience. All right. That was a lot of me talking. So let's jump into our conversation about fascia and breathing and anatomy with Jill Miller. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Jill. It's so good to talk to you. Thank you for spending some time with me today. I'm so excited to be here, Deb. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So let's jump in because as you and I are talking about, we have a lot of material and I'm so excited about it. But before we do that, before we get into our juicy discussion, would you mind just telling the community a little bit about yourself and your journey into yoga, uh, anatomy and motherhood? Oh my gosh. Where do I start? <laughs> um, well, I started doing yoga when I was 11 years old. I was definitely a strange kid. I lived in a solar, solar home in Santa Fe, New Mexico off the beaten path. And we, we didn't have, you know, TV reception. So my mom one day brought home, uh, the Raquel Welsh yoga video, which if, for those of you who are of a certain age, that actually was the Bikram series and Bikram sued her for that. 
um, sometime later. And uh, yeah, that's a whole other podcast, right? <laughs> uh, that's but, my dirty. I mean, that was, that's my dirty yoga secret. I was a Bikram teacher for like. Um, a hot second. So exposed. <laughs> I got you. Everybody, did you hear that? <laughs> well, you know, it was great. Like you had this set series and you did the same thing and it just gave it to you in a box. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with maturation, we want to have other chocolates and other flavors and expand ourselves. Um, so that was my introduction to yoga. And then, you know, there's some other stuff that happened at the same time. Mom brought home the Jane Fonda workout. So I had a, an introduction to my body happened simultaneously with these videotapes. And, um, and I guess to this day, I'm very much an interdisciplinary type of person. I include a lot of different things in my programs, yoga tune-up and the role model. But um, that really was the beginning of the trajectory of body awakening. Um, it was actually tithed together with what I didn't know was an eating disorder and I didn't know was um, a compulsive exercise habit. So I was grappling with a mental illness in my, in my teens, uh, kind of unbeknownst to me, I guess, at first. And then I started realizing that, that what I was doing was not uh, right. There was something wrong with my compulsions. I started researching anorexia and I started research, researching bulimia um, in my teens, which I think is kind of a, of a strange thing. But I would read books about it, but I was unable to stop myself from the behaviors. Did you um, recognize it in like as you were reading it? Were you like, oh, that's that's me? Yes. Yeah. I mean, actually, the way I was introduced to it was there was now we're completely sidetracked, but it does go along with um, with pregnancy and coming into my body and becoming a whole person, I hope, is that um, there was a 2020 special. Do you remember the TV show 2020? I do, because I think you and I, as you mentioned, like Jane Fonda, I'm like, oh, I think she and I are on the same age. <laughs> Potentially. I think I might be a little older than you, but um, we both have very young children. So that makes us of an age, right? Yeah. It's just the same age now. It's the great equalizer having <laughs> having children. Um, oh, so Jane Fonda was being interviewed on 2020. And in this 2020, or maybe it was 60 Minutes, who knows, one of those news programs, she actually talked about that she was bulimic and that she would go to the grocery store and buy boxes of cereal and ice cream and then she would eat it and throw it up. And that's where I got the idea from. So it's one of those weird things. But then I started researching, you know, bulimia nervosa. I would check out books from the library and hope my mom wouldn't see it. So because I knew there was something wrong with that, but um, I couldn't help myself. It was an interesting time. And so that led you into the, the whole body awareness and the yoga. And then how did you get into the anatomy aspect? Um, I think it was, uh, everything has always been linked together. My dad is a, a infectious disease doctor. So I grew up having a lot of his medical textbooks around the house and I was always compelled by biology and especially disease and uh, microbiology, which is kind of his subspecialty. When you're looking at infection, you're looking at microbes. So I just was always fascinated with pictures of human anatomy and especially, you know, pathological anatomy. And um, I started studying massage in college. I started studying, I was full-time at Northwestern, but that wasn't enough for me. So I enrolled in a shiatsu school, which is a form of Japanese body work, uh, uh, Japanese um, meridian body work. And I was given anatomy in that training, but I was also studying dance in school. And there was a lot of anatomy included in, uh, in our embodied lessons. We weren't given diagrams and charts. I would 
go and find books to help put things together. I remember having the anatomy coloring book like in college just to try to figure out where things were. So it was always an interest. And then years later, I would meet my anatomy mentor, Gil Headley, and actually go into the lab and dissect human anatomy with him and, and other people. That sounds fascinating. I have not done that, but I love anatomy, and anytime I can read about it, and it's funny you talked about the microbiology. My son is so into that right now. He's seven. Oh, and I should mention, since okay. I mentioned him, um, listeners, just a little heads up, he is homesick <clears throat> sick today, and while I have set him up with Legos and the new Harry, and a Harry Potter book, don't be surprised if you hear some pitter-patter feet and a little voice <laughs> asking mommy for something, so... Just want to give that little bit of transparency. So sorry, Jill, to interrupt there. She'll be cooking chick- chicken soup while we're while we're exactly. Talking. Why not? Why not throw more on there? So tell me a little bit about also your journey into motherhood. Um. So my journey to motherhood was a very late journey. I met my husband when I was 34, and we weren't ready to start a family until you know much later. And he was 40 when I met him, and I think he was he was definitely ready sooner than I to to start having kids. Um, but I was super fortunate. I got pregnant right away when we started um, trying to have kids. I got pregnant at 39, um, and I carried that baby for 20 weeks. I had a tragic loss at 20 weeks um, when I when I was 40, and this is something that I'm still uh, very much processing right now. It's nothing, uh, nothing in my life could have prepared me for that loss. And, um, it was something that didn't need to happen. We were encouraged to do genetic testing, um, because we were older parents. And so we went ahead and did a genetic test and the test itself, um, breached my membranes. And so my baby was never, uh, at risk. My baby was always healthy. Um, but the test itself, uh, wounded my amniotic sac, and that was it. There was no turning back. And um, this is uh, really, I know we're on a pregnancy podcast, and I'm sure many of the women that are listening have suffered uh, losses in any trimester. I mean, even a, what do they call it? A, a chemical a, a pregnancy. Chemical pregnancy is no less painful and um, traumatic than late, late, late trimester or, um, stillbirth. So my heart is with you women and uh, it's a process. I did get pregnant, uh, with my first daughter about 10 months after the loss. And I had her at 42. And then I had my son, uh, two and a half years later at 44. And, uh, so I've got, and that's it. My husband said he's closed. Uh, I would like, I'm like, I am that human. I would just be like, let me just keep trying until I'm 55. But uh, he said, no, no more. So. Yeah, my daughter, I was 40 when I had my daughter and literally the first words I said when she came out is thank God you're out. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> I love the whole you know experience, but then I knew like, we are done. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that hunger is. I mean, for me, it's so like, like dog pride, mama dog yeah. or something. And, uh, I mean, it's, it is feral and it's primal and, um, yeah, it's still a hunger, but 
I'm, I love my children and I know I can do much better for two of them than I could for more of them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love hearing that. And thank you for sharing so much. I think, you know, openness and transparency and vulnerability is just, um, we need that, you know, not, not a shiny, happy picture all the time. So thank you. I really appreciate that. So let's switch gears a little bit because I'm so excited about some of the stuff we have. So I know when we connected to speak, we discussed that the listeners could benefit from hearing about what you call the inner baby carriage. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Talk about that. What does that mean? The inner baby carriage isn't the pram. The inner baby carriage. <laughs> Wait, is that a pram inside your body? <laughs> a bugaboo well, that you're carrying around? <laughs> well, there sort of is. It's, there's a biological bugaboo. And the way I describe this in a program that I created called Role Model Mama, which is uh, self soft tissue self-care for pregnancy and beyond. And I like to use this term inner baby carriage because I think it gives women a really good sense of, oh, I... I really want to be able to position my body to optimize how I'm holding my baby now so that when I hold my baby outside of my body, I minimize risks of having pain in my pelvis, in my low back, in my neck, shoulder. So this inner baby carriage really is an alignment principle of lining, well, lining, of um, stacking these soft and hard tissue structures of your pelvis underneath your rib cage, underneath your skull, and maximizing the integrated activities from pelvic floor through the crown of the head in terms of uh, muscle function, um, the ability for these tissues to stretch at will, your ability to breathe, to respire in a way that's actually going to help you both with pushing uh, and with healing after after birth. So the inner baby carriage is a way of helping women to understand their, I guess at at the simplest level, the way their breathing muscles are also their stability muscles that they, they serve. Um, uh, what's it called when you two time or you have two jobs, what's that called? Moonlighting. They moonlight. (laughs) Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. They moonlight in, in different functions in our body. And so by, really improving the behavior of our breath, we really can optimize our strength and our power to maintain the baby carriage when the baby's in us and mitigate issues that might happen postpartum. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. So let's unpack that a little bit more. So how does proper diaphragmatic breathing support good posture, especially considering the changes and the strains on the pregnant and postpartum body? 
Your diaphragm is an interesting muscle. So it's normally one of my favorite. <laughs> oh yeah, I put your diaphragm. Uh, has about a five centimeter range of motion, mm-hmm. meaning when you when you breathe in, and we're talking about specifically um, its full range of motion. So the diaphragm is kind of a paradoxical muscle. If you don't understand it, uh, it can be confusing. But when you inhale, your diaphragm contracts, and its contraction is a downward action. Now your diaphragm is shaped like a parachute, and it lines the uh, half of your rib cage. So the lower six ribs are lined by this parachute-like muscle. And when you inhale, it descends. And as it descends, it pressurizes everything that's down below it, which is everything in your guts. It's all the organs in there. It's all the liquids. It's all the solids um, and the muscular tissues, the myofascial tissue. So when it descends, you have what what we would call a bloat look, right? You you have this distension. You have, and you should have an organized distension, meaning it shouldn't be just your belly popping out, but your waist should expand, your low back should expand, and the pelvic floor. So we have this circumferential, spherical, or a little bit oblong and misshaped because nobody's a sphere. But the diaphragm descends, and the the stuff below the diaphragm swells like a balloon. And then when you exhale, all of that reverses itself, and that's a normal activity. So your diaphragm, when you're taking a really deep abdominal breath, it can go down about five centimeters. But you put a soft tissue iceberg inside your uterus and that fetus keeps growing. The uterus keeps raising itself and enlarging. And there's pressures that start to push up against your diaphragm. So your diaphragm no longer can descend that full five centimeters during pregnancy. It can only, it loses about two centimeters of descent. And so Instead of having um, that full range in terms of abdominal descent, it then sidetracks into its rib attachments. And so your rib movement becomes a really important part of respiration throughout pregnancy. Now, many women will acknowledge, yeah, I'm really short of breath. And that happens not just because you have more fluids in your body, which is one of the things your your doctor will tell you, but because the, the diaphragm's um, uh, descending range of motion changes and it lateralizes. Now that's not a bad thing, but if my, if your ribs don't move really well in a lateral way, you will become short of breath. And so in terms of training the inner baby carriage, we want women, um, to be able to do something called an abdominal breath and a thoracic breath, and then a blended breath where you blend abdominal thoracic breath and really practice that and practice sensing that the breath can move into the sides of the body, into the back of the body, um, that your pelvic floor also has this elastic rebound, and that your ribs do something called upward rotate and downward rotate, which is called the bucket handle, the bucket handle effect. So in a sense, um, the ribs, they broaden like bony gills out to the side when you breathe in, and then they, they flower pedal in on exhale. And that can be accomplished with in slow motion with concentration, and I use tools. I use something called a gorgeous ball, which is a, a pliable, grippy, um, hollow rubber ball that's air-filled. And then you can apply pressure, and then you can actually feel whether you're breathing into these zones. Um, but those same muscles are also the muscles that you're going to need to activate when you push your baby out if you're having a vaginal birth. So you, you know, you, I don't want, you, you kill two birds with one stone. A horrible analogy, right? But like, but you, you get so much from training them. Yeah, you're speaking so the language of prenatal yoga center. <laughs> we talk about the diaphragm and the relationship to the pelvic floor. I my imagery um, is a jellyfish, the way oh, yeah. it drops, and that the two have to work together. And although, as you know, some people have trained themselves to not 
work, yes. you know, which is a problem in itself. Um, yeah, I love it. everything you're saying. I'm like, yes, she's speaking my language. So how would you cue that breathing? Because I think you're also talking about the transverse abdominals as well in um, there. Well, you can't not talk about the transverse abdominals when you're talking about the diaphragm. The diaphragm is literally stitched fascially to the transversus abdominis. So that's the, the deepest layer of your, some people call it the abdominal cylinder, but the deepest layer of your inner baby carriage is the, is the, the horizontal fibers of the transverse. Um, but then directly on top of that, you have the internal abdominal obliques, which have an, an oblique angle to the transverse and the external, which have yet another oblique angle. So you have these you know layers of tissues mm-hmm. and they're working in concert with each other. It's not just, I'm not I'm not of the school of like, just focus on that TA. I mean, we really want to focus on, if I'm going to focus on my rib cage alignment to my pelvis, I have to find the muscles that actually tether and tithe the rib cage to the pelvis. And that's your obliques. Mm -hmm. So, um, so by managing, um, by managing pelvic rotation and rib rotation, um, in context with, with breathing, then I'm going to get, I'm going to get everything transverse obliques, you know, the superficial stuff on top of rectus. But I think what you're referring to when I'm talking about breathing to the back, there's a, uh, a large fibrous plane of connective tissue called the thoracolumbar aponeurosis. Uh, you can also hear references the thoracolumbar fascia. And this really is the tendon, the posterior tendon of all the muscles I just named, plus your erectors, plus your quadratus lumborum. Um, so we have investments also of your lats. We have investments of so many different tissues that um, bolster and brace the back of the body. Now, 50% or more, some, some stats say 50, some say 60% of pregnant women will have lower back pain um, during pregnancy. And that is part and parcel to the, the, you know, that shift of gravity, your center of gravity, by the way, it doesn't have to shift. <laughs> you can go with the shift and that can, will create extra compression on your lower back. But if you organize that inner baby carriage, what you'll do is you'll maximize the, the stretch in that thoracolumbar fascia instead of having it compressed. Um, I detail this. Did I, did we, did you get the role model mama? Did we send that along to you? Oh I got my the goodness. balls. Oh, Oh my gosh. Okay. So there's like a 20 minute anatomy lecture <laughs> in Role Model Mama. I can't believe you don't have it. We'll get it to you today. Um, that details like what that really, what that's like of having that expanse from inside to out for that layers and layers of support around, around your back and your front and your sides. Um, so yes, the transverse is involved, but we're talking about so many layers that work in concert with each other for stability and support and for mobility. So if you were, so we get a lot of brand new students to yoga. So they're pregnant, they're already feeling less breath and they are probably in there often new. And so they tend to be kind of high up tight breathers and some paradoxical breather. We work a lot on just trying to not force diaphragmatic breathing because we don't want to put pressure on the linea alba, but just simply getting people to breathe and breathe out of, you know, a tight, out of response to like the fight or flight. How would you cue someone that's pregnant or freshly postpartum to get their breath fuller in their body? This is a great question. Um, so really the first part of your question also references that when we start to breathe more, um, more North in our bodies, when we're breathing mostly in our chest or using, um, our third zone of respiration, which are the clavicular muscles, God help you, you're also in a, uh, a very sympathetic or hypersympathetic hyper state of your autonomic nervous system. And it, you know, that's something that definitely needs to be 
um, addressed throughout pregnancy because you don't want to be a stress ball because um, there's enough to worry about and your hormones and this and that. So what, what, what helps is to then drop into that abdominal zone. So you can still do abdominal breathing even if the diaphragm doesn't get to go all the way. You're still doing it. And the way I like to cue it is I put ladies on their side and then I'll put a, um, to their comfort level, a deflated or um, semi-deflated cordless ball underneath the waist. And that gives them biofeedback. And so if you don't have a cordless ball, you can also roll up a, a blanket or have a pillow that has give but also isn't like, you know, foam. Like you want it to actually have a little bit of pushback into you so that you can sense it and that you can be able to sense um, that your the layers of muscles and the side is a perfect place because you get all of them on your side. You'll get the transverse, you get your obliques, you get um, a little lat interface. You don't get your rectus, but that's okay because <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want to no. like. <laughs> we don't want. We're going to talk about how we don't want those overly tight very soon. <laughs> yeah, we don't want those over tight. So you have the ball on your side. You get them into a quiet place, and that's through cues. Um, also, make helping them feel safe in the relationship to gravity that they're in. Put a little support underneath their head if. Uh, you know, if laying on the, their side feels icky, you put a block underneath their head. And then I sometimes I'll have them put their top hand on their waist, and then there's the object underneath the waist that's on the ground. And they can simultaneously breathe into the, the cordless ball and their hand. And then I'm trying to picture, <laughs> like having my hands here trying to visualize that. Well, okay. gravity, gravity is so helpful because all of your organs and all of the, the pressure will shift laterally. Mm-hmm. So you'll really have the sense of your body weight being, being held and supported by the ball because the ball, the, the ball shapes its way in between the rib cage and the pelvis into the hourglass shape of, of you. And even if you're pregnant, um, it's a really nice way to temporarily offload your uterine ligaments and also give your colon a little support. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a wonderful feeling. So you breathe in, you hold your breath, and then within the held breath, at the top of your inhale, you just contract lightly the muscles that you just ballooned out. So you breathe in, hold your breath, and there's just a little bit of tension, just so that you're giving them a different neuromuscular thing to do. And then exhale and let go. You breathe in, you hold a little touch of tension and then exhale, let go. And so that's called a, it's a, it's a P and F technique or to make it simple, it's a contract, relax technique. Um, and the contraction is not like you're moving, not, you're not pushing a couch, you know, off your balcony. This is just a little bit of tension, right? So we're not doing a valsalva. Don't worry, (laughs) folks. We're not doing the valsalva here. This is just to Gently activate those tissues so that they start to feel themselves, so that you start to proprioceptive them. Mm-hmm. Um, improving your body sense is key to being able to sense position uh, throughout your day. I mean, lift, when it comes to lifting your child down the road, you're going to need to do exactly what I'm telling you, but you're, that, that child is inches and inches and inches away from your midline and you're, you're holding on to the baby. You want your shoulders to be able to integrate into your back. That's why the thoracolumbar fascia and being a part of the lats, all of this is so important. Yeah, we want to save the body because there's so many, so much aches and pains. Um, I want to touch on something you meant. We started to get into about the abdominals. You're like, okay, this isn't the rectus, but we don't really need to talk. You know, we don't, we didn't need to overly tighten those. But can you talk a little bit about the detriment of overly tight abdominals? Because 
I see some, I actually remember seeing some was it YouTube or something about like oh, six pack during pregnancy or abs of steel during pregnancy. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound good um, on so many reasons. So, <laughs> so let's touch upon the detriment of overly tight um, abdominals and again, how that's, how that affects breathing. Um, well, first and foremost, overly tight abdominals, especially, you know, transverse and obliques, isn't going to let your diaphragm descend. So you can try it right now. Really pull in your abs as tightly as possible. Like you're trying to, you're bracing yourself for a punch. That's not something I ever do, but you're bracing yourself for a punch. And then take a breath into your gut without letting go of that tension. It's impossible. Hey. <laughs> All right. So we talked about that Shay's here. What's going on, buddy? Um, can I watch you? Yeah, go. All right. So that's motherhood. <laughs> Sorry about that, Jill. <laughs> I, I hear mommy. Mommy. Dad, you're a pro. You just handled that so well. I was the one like, oh, my God, there's a little boy on set. <laughs> All right. So keep going. All right. So back right, to So abs. basically that feeling of bracing yourself and then try to breathe in to that tension. Try to expand your gut, have that distension. It won't happen. Mm -hmm. Impossible. So um, it's really important for our tissues to perceive their full range of motion. And that's, that includes passive stretch as well. So the, you know, one of the tools that I've used since I was healing myself from bulimia and anorexia was abdominal massage. Like one of the ways I was able to embody my body was through self-touch and mobilizing these tissues. Now your tissues are stitched together with something called fascia. You've probably heard about fascia. Uh, I just came back from the, the fifth fascia research Congress and your fascial tissues are both fibrous and they're, and fluid. And it's a, it's a living regenerating, um, connective structure for our whole body. So whenever you're training muscles, you're also training the, the stitches that keep your muscles uh, intact within itself, but also uh, uh, friendly to the muscles neighboring them. Now, muscles should be able to have some amount of movement between them. And your fascial tissues allow, allow for what's called slide and glide. It allows for that gliding action between tissues. If I am constantly keeping myself in tension, I don't allow the fascial tissues to have their full range of motion, especially in between tissues or at their attachments. And I literally become a crispier person. I have less range of motion. I might look tight, um, but it's not healthy. So you want to have like yin and yang. You want to have the ability to let go at will and also um, give those tissues a stimulus that it's okay to let go and to, uh, and to find their intrinsic, one of my, my friends calls intrinsic slippitude. Uh, it's either Gil Headley or it might be a, a PT named Mary Barb. Yeah, Mary Barb, intrinsic slippitude. She's not a friend. She's just a researcher who's brilliant. So we want to, we want to make sure that our tissues are, um, are mobile at a cellular level all the way to the gross level. And when they're not, so if I've overly trained abdominals and I'm not allowing them to go through full range of motion, then I risk a tear. And the breach is likely going to happen at one of a couple of places. One is the central tendon of the rectus abdominis called the linea alba. And every single layer of your abdomen not only hooks into your lower back, but it hooks in at the front, at this linea alba. And so if I have too much tension in those layers, and then I have this soft tissue iceberg growing and loading pressure 
in that midline, I could easily tear those connective tissues. Now, most women do, by the way, about 60% of women get some type of what's called diastasis recti during pregnancy. But most women, those tissues then reconcile and they narrow and they come closer, probably not to what they originally were, but super darn close. For some women, a certain percentage of the population, I'm not sure what that percentage is, the fascial, the fascial tissues do not repair correctly and the muscles don't migrate um, to you know, zip up the midline again. And this is when we can have um, pathologies that are related to a diastasis recti. And that's mm-hmm. when you, you definitely need to, to seek treatment, individualized treatment for that. Yeah, I've done, I think, four podcasts on diastasis. It's, I find it fascinating. And the Lenny Alba um, and the relationship to diastasis and the pelvic floor. And uh, I mean, gosh, we could go into a whole other podcast about yoga asana that worsens diastasis in the Lenny oh, Alba. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> can, can, you, can you, I mean, I have my... Uh, I have my off the list poses that I a hundred percent would not practice during pregnancy, but I'd love to hear your list. I mean, I'll tell you mine too. Yeah. Um, gosh, looking on social media, sometimes I cringe. Um, so we already know that there is external, you know, there's internal pressure outward, which is putting, which is thinning the linea alba. So things like deep back bends. Oh, I was in a yoga class not too long ago. And if it's, if I'm a student, it's not my place to ever speak up um, what I see. And I have to tell you, sometimes I'm like, and I saw this woman in, I would guess seven-ish months in full wheel. And I'm like, and her belly was coning and I call it, you know, coning or shark fin. And, you know, it wasn't my place. So I, I, I don't say it. And I saw her doing all sorts of backbends, like deep upward dog. And I'm like, oh, that's going to just be bad after. So I'm not a fan of um, clearly huge, huge backbends. I think um, I also think that plank can really cause problems because this particular person had a massive sway. And so we're getting that compression. And I was kind of, again, I was watching, trying not to, but watching because I'm fascinated. And I could see almost holding her breath, which we know extended holding the breath also yeah. creates intra-abdominal pressure. And right. you could see like the coning in her um, chaturanga to up dog. So those are some of my big, and obviously you can't really twist deeply because there's a big belly there. Um, but you know, Deep twisting can also shear those abdominals. So those are kind of my my top heavy hitters. <laughs> I yes, just... I would I would add to that prone backbends, um, right? So laying, oh, I mean, laying on your belly. Yeah, well, I just think that's a given. Like, don't squish the baby. <laughs> yeah, I, although I mean, but I do have to say, like, I, I I I'm glad. I mean, I want to mention it because I also want to say that uh, one of my OBs was like, oh no, if you're if you're more comfortable sleeping on your belly, sleep on your belly. So there, you know, it's like. Being on your abdomen is not anathema, well, but like, you should all, you know, talk to your... is different no, than, you I know, agree. like, agree. You know, agree. that's different than, like, a soft mattress receiving your belly as opposed to a back bend where you're... On a wood floor on, or yeah. concrete. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, plank for sure. And then I would also, I would also go a little further south and I would talk about some of the... Oh, like the arm balances? Uh, no, no. But, you know, lateral hmm. splits... Or Ekapada, Ekapada Raja Kopitasana, you have oh, one yeah. leg behind the head. So we have to really also uh, respect the behavior or the, the wonderful hormone of relaxin mm-hmm. that is um, influencing every fascial tissue all over your body. And so I would definitely question 
um, the integrity or the lasting integrity of your neck if you're going to do headstands and shoulder stands. Oh, yeah. During and I have a whole, I didn't go into and, my whole thing about inversions, but yeah. I, do, um, I will say I'm not a fan of big arm balances because of the Mula Banda aspect. I worked with um, Leslie Howard and she was talking about most yogis, I think she said like, so 40 or 60% of yogis have a, a hypertonic pelvic floor and arm balances, I think add to that. So that's why I back off the arm balances. That's my reasoning for that. Interesting. You know, but if you really, if you work in a baby carriage and one of the, one of the things we do is we also sit down, um, on a yoga tune-up ball. So we will use the yoga tune-up ball to give us again, biofeedback about the tension in the pelvic floor. So you can sit with a ball, not on your coccyx and not, um, not in any hole, but at the perineum Mm -hmm. and then, and then do some contract relax so that you can really feel what it feels like to let it go. Mm -hmm. So you can feel both ends of the, of the action there so that you, you're, you know, you're not just unconsciously utilizing that, tension or over kegling all the time. So I, I agree with her, but I think, I think that there's probably, you know, any, but I, the, the planks for sure, those can be really problematic once you're hitting, uh, at the end of second trimester and also depending on your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, side planks or side supported planks, those can be okay. But those, those well, that's, planks that's are, different on the gravitational pull. Yeah, totally, I totally agree. Totally. Right, no, I, I like to, talking, I like talking I exercises. It's fun. <laughs> and, and yes, I also, yeah, if you want, we could go up on a whole inversion thing. I'm going to pull that back. Cause Oh God, I see bad inversions just from non-pregnant students then add the relaxin and the progesterone. Oh, so yeah, we won't well, go there. But. <laughs> I think, I think that's my biggest concern is that the, the fascial tissues are, it's, it's not just the ligaments in your pelvis. This is a global body wide thing. And also, yeah, that's true. If your hands are not used to supporting your body weight, or your the, relaxin, the relaxin is impacting <laughs> yes, your central nervous system, which is running up out of the back of your skull. Okay. Next question today. <laughs> I know. We, you and I could do that. This is a fascial question. So it is a legit fascial question. All right. So I want to talk a more about fascia. So because I'm fascinated and I love, I love anatomy. So I want to talk about what happens. How was the fascia disturbed for things like cesarean births, vaginal tears, rectus, uh, rectus, abdomen, um, rectus diastasis, especially because I have a lot of students that come in after a cesarean birth and they're like, nothing, you know, it was, it was cut, but shouldn't everything still have integrity? Um, no, any cut. I mean, look, we, uh, we live with scars. Like we are, our bodies have been breached. We are a scarred, you know, species <laughs> and you probably have scars from childhood and then there are surgical, surgical scars that we end up having from accidents, injuries, or, you know, damage to our body or from C-sections, appendectomies, the body will heal itself. That's one of the, that's one of the roles of fascial tissue is there an abundance of a, of a cell within your fascia called fibroblasts. And what fibroblasts do is when, when your tissue has been ruptured, the cells they migrate over to the site and they start spitting out collagen. Collagen is the main fiber of the human body. And that collagen will restitch together wherever you were scarred, even if, if you know, a surgical knife cutting into you or, or, you know, you know, a tear because you fell off a tree and you sliced yourself, no matter what, if, if I've got a flesh, a flesh wound, whether from surgery or from an accident, the fibroblasts are going to go there. And when, as they go, they also help to 
uh, bring in, you know, their brothers and sisters, the macrophages, the white blood cells, so that, that they can come and make sure that they're clearing up infection. This is one of the reasons why we get, you know, really hot and stingy in areas that where there's stitches, because there's a, a, a lot of metabolism happening in that area. So the connective tissue, um, the, excuse me, the, the fibers as they lay down, part of what that process is about is being able to set up new highways for blood vessels to get in. Um, and for nerve endings to regrow. So it's like the, the fascial tissues are the, the, they're the cleanup crew, but they're, they're the repair crew so that you can lay the pipeline down. And that's where the, we can really get the real healing in so that your blood is able to transport the stuff that needs to get there and also get the waste products out. Um, and then it's done. Like, its job is done, but unfortunately you're left with this willy-nilly scar as the... <laughs> The, the fibroblasts are just going to be like, oh my God, we've got to breach, we've got to breach the valley here. Go across, go across, fibers, 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 fibers. And you're left with this mess. Um, that mess can really confuse the, the muscular patterning because also in the severing of uh, the low abdomen, they're cutting through nerve endings, not big nerves, but little nerves. They're cutting through peripheral nerves, sensory nerves, pain nerves, um, little tiny motor nerves. And so we have an area of numbness, lacking feeling, or having weird feelings, <laughs> um, and aren't able to generate the type of force production across that area that we used to. Um, now, this can be rehabbed. It does take time. And one of the things that needs to be addressed at a most regressive level is your breathing pattern. Um, your breath pattern alone is going to serve as an intrinsic stretcher for that connective tissue. So doing um, deep inner baby carriage type of breaths where you uh, help the pelvic floor to balloon, you help for the radial distension of the gut. And then massage. You can massage your scar. Once they've cleared you for exercise, get your fingers on that scar and just start to play with it. Pluck at it. Shear it, meaning shift it in multiple directions. Um, pluck at it. Add volume to it like you're fluffing a pillow. Uh, we use the gorgeous ball. We put the gorgeous ball on abdominal scars, um, pivot the gorgeous ball, breathe in different ways. And then once you are in certain positions of um, tolerable stretch or tolerable pinch, then you try activating the different layers. You try activating a transverse. You try activating your obliques. You try activating even the rectus, depending on what's um, what's safe for your. If your linea alba was breached, then there's you know there's other things that you or another approach that you might want to try. But you know, I have a scar. I have a huge scar. Not a huge scar. I have like a four-inch scar on the side of my hip because I had a total hip replacement um, uh, just over a year ago. So this has definitely made me much more sensitive to the challenge of reclaiming motor function post post surgery, and you know, C sections are. This is a major surgery. This is not minor surgery. Your entire core is dissected in order to bring, uh, you know, bring your baby out, which is, you know, think goodness, we have the type of clinicians we have that can do it so stealthily and leave such a clean scar, but it's a scar nonetheless. And so, um, it just, it's a process. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm glad you talked about the, the uh, massage of the scar because I was going to bring that up. Um, what about also how the vaginal tears? It's the same thing. Oh, like- yeah. It depends on it depends on the degree of tearing. Um, so, you know, are we talking about a, a myofascial tear or just just tearing during delivery? Yeah, I mean, kind of, you know, not a full episiotomy, but you know, tears are pretty common. I would say, you know, I was a doula for years, and I would say a good ninety percent had some sort of tear. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is you know, there's just the the, the vagiderm tearing, which is basically like splitting your lip. And that heals really quickly and easily. I mean, your your lab, your the, your vaginal skin is like an amazing, <laughs> resourceful skin, just like your lips are. Um, but when you tear a muscle down there, so if you've tear, torn a coccygeus or you've torn um, an obturator, that's a different that's a different thing, and that will definitely take much more time. Um, it will, it can lead to dysfunctional patterns throughout the pelvis. And that needs to have a pelvic floor physio. But if it's just like, oh yeah, I did 13 stitches. They'll let you know if you had a first degree, second degree, third mm-hmm. degree, just you need to advocate for yourself. I mean, and of course, mom, after giving birth, you're the last person that, um, is given care, which <laughs> is going to change right as of April and the new ACOG recommendations and fourth trimester, Fourth trimester life, uh, which is hopefully going to affect all new moms, not not like us. We were just <laughs> thrown to the wolves after you had the baby. Six-week yeah. checkup, and that's it. Um, but you you need to advocate for yourself and ask questions of your um, of your OB. Like, uh, if you can, like, right then and there, how many stitches did you do and what degree of tearing? And then the next thing is demand for a pelvic floor physio checkup or at a minimum, uh, a checkup with a physical therapist. And now this is going to sound creepy, but the, the only way to really get it is to say you're in pain. Yeah. I saw a physical, in fact, we have a great relationship with many pelvic floor physios, um, here in New York at PYC and I recommend them out all the time. I saw one, I just needed better information of how to heal myself and it was amazing. It was a little, a little intense at first. I'm like, Oh, this is where we're going. Okay. Um, but it was, I learned, I learned a ton. I want to keep talking about the fascia and what role that plays into self care relating specifically to the pregnant and postpartum body. I know you guys sent me, um, the yoga tune-up balls, which I use all the time. I get this massive headache and the only way at first I had my husband dig his elbow into it and then that helped. And then you guys sent me those balls. I'm like, that I travel with it. So talk about fascia and self-care. I am so delighted to hear that. I want to say one thing about the previous statement about pelvic floor physio. Um, this is a subspecialty of, of PT, of physical therapy. And it's, uh, it, unfortunately, there are fewer of this specialty than there are of regular PTs. So, oh, yeah, it should definitely so, be someone that's a pelvic floor, not just a PT yeah. that's like, hey, I'll, I'll work in there. Yeah, thank you for saying um, and that. And in, in, in big cities, you're going to have a lot more choice. In smaller towns and um, across middle America, this is still uh, 
I, I would I would venture to say it's going to be much harder to find. You'd have to drive quite a ways to find somebody. So if there's anybody out there in school right now for pelvic floor PT, you got to think about a, ro- a roaming clinic. Can you do that? I know you're out there. Do it. That's the way to advocate and help women's health. Okay, so um, fascia self-care and the yoga tuna balls. Yeah, this is a huge part of my life. Uh, I wrote a book called The Role Model a few years ago that really lays out what it, what we do, how we advocate for for self care. There's so much there. There's so much information we can glean from our own bodies through touch, and it's very expensive to have somebody else touching you. But you can use tools to excite your sensory system. You can use tools to help you better map yourself. I use soft, pliable rubber tools. So the yoga tuna balls are a soft, pliable rubber ball that um, allows the the ball to travel in and around bony prominences and not irritate your skin um, and not uh, pinch or bruise or irritate nerves. You can really get in there, so to speak, just like a really skilled massage therapist would do with their thumb. And one of the things that happens is when we stimulate our sensory system, and for listeners, if you're not clear on what I'm saying about sensory system, your your nervous system is has more sensory neurons than motor neurons. So motor neurons are the things that help your muscles to contract. Sensory neurons are the things that help you to survive. Like you're able to sense where you are in space. You're able to know whether things are hot or cold. You sense pleasure. You can feel different textures, that sort of thing. So any information coming from your and obviously what you see, you know, vision is sensory, um, ears are sensory, but I'm really talking about the kinesthesia, the sense of touch. Um, when, am I talking really fast? No, it's totally fine. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm taking it everywhere. <laughs> so um, there's a wonderful byproduct of simulating your sensory system is that it, it's a two-way street. It really helps the motor neurons to fire better. And so massage is wonderful for stimulating First of all, you gaining a sense of place in your own body, which that's a great place to locate yourself, is in your body and not some place outside of your body. And secondly, it helps with motor control of that area. So your brain really likes it when you, you know, massage your feet because actually it helps to mobilize the 26 bones that are down there, the multiple sensory neuron field that's down there, and that's going to help you better coordinate your walk. Uh, just as a small example, but we massage every part of our body with uh, the role model balls from pelvic floor, as we're discussing on a, a pregnancy podcast, pelvic floor, um, guts, diaphragm, but neck, hand, shoulder, elbow. I mean, so many women postpartum, the act of caring and holding and folding and tending all the little small things. Um, after my first pregnancy, I fell <laughs> up a flight of stairs, don't ask, and, uh, six months in and um, tweaked my wrists in such a way that I ended up getting decorvain syndrome, right? The classic mommy thumb. Are you familiar with yeah, that, Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Worst pain of my life. I would take hip surgery any day over having decorvain syndrome. Horrible pain in the thumb. And it really, um, when you try to operate without a thumb, try to change a diaper without a thumb, try to feed. drive a car without a thumb, feed, it's, uh, yeah, really made me feel a, a dramatic distance from my child, not being able to, to palpate her the, mm-hmm. one, the way I wanted to, to cuddle her. This brace was in the way. So anyway, um, blah, 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 back to the therapy ball. So we, you know, in terms of heat, like in terms of healing from an injury like that, so much of the, um, the nerve entrapment was up in my elbow. So I, I, and I discovered that I, you know, I'm just, you're overusing 
your upper body so much with all these small loads of the baby that you're holding like all day, every day. So that would give me, you know, tons of relief and it would allow me to then strengthen correctly the whole range of motion and not just this partial range of this cradle range. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yes. So the therapy balls can be used to help improve your movement, to enhance your sensory system. And then the third thing that is like so bonus is they downregulate you. They relax you deeply. I am, even though I've done yoga since I was 11, the reason I did it since I was 11 is I grew up in a very anxious environment. And so that's kind of, I'm a very type A person. So I love anything that's going to give me a good, relaxed, calm with no side effects. Because I'd rather, I'd rather not pollute my liver, you know, and doing the therapy, the therapeutic uh, rolling, you have all these positive side effects and, um, and, and then you move better and you feel better and you did it yourself. Nobody did it to you and you could do it wherever and whenever you need it. Spelled K N E A D. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So, what are you working on now? I am writing my second book, which deals a lot with this inner baby carriage concept. Uh, it's not specifically for postpartum or prenatal women, but it will have a lot of the information that um, is about intrinsic core stability from inside out and self care for. Um, using your breathing muscles for optimal core health. That's wonderful. So where can people find your work? And especially as I've mentioned at the Yoga Tuna Balls, and please know, listeners, that I'm not just like doing a commercial. Like I actually really use this. Um, <laughs> she can't be doing a commercial because she doesn't even have role model mom. No, I just I'm have like, the tuna balls that I really do like the, the little green one. In fact, it's in my desk right next to me. Um, I use it. It really helps my headaches. So that's yep. why when you sent it, I was like, let me try this. And then when I saw what effect it had, I mean, I get these just debilitating muscle headaches, these stress headaches. And it was one of the few things that I have found besides, you know, a handful of Advil, um, so yep. <laughs> where, yep. um, which really didn't even touch the headache. So where can people find these? Uh, they can find them at our website. Our website is tuneupfitness.com. Like you tune up a car, tuneupfitness.com. And when you go to the website, it'll take you into one of two portals, the yoga tune-up portal or the role model portal. And But it's easy to find the products right there on the on the homepage. There's four different sizes of balls. Our athletes tend to like the largest ball, which is called the alpha. And then there's something in the middle called the plus ball. And then there's the yoga tune-up balls, which are the, the smallest. And then the air-filled ball, the gorgeous that I've referenced so many times, um, that's also in there. And there are video programs that go along with all of these in different ways. But you can also find so much free content on uh, YouTube by going to either the Tune-Up Fitness uh, YouTube page uh, if you follow myself or our brand page on social media on Instagram, we always post lots of images and pictures. And there's about 500 teachers worldwide that are constantly posting best practices. And then we have trainings and courses. You can find the, out about the trainings and courses uh, at tuneupfitness.com. And my Instagram is at yoga tuneup. And then our other Instagram is at tuneupfitness. And if you want the giveaways, you go to tuneupfitness. If you want my opinions, you go to yoga tuneup. <laughs> And I'll make sure all of that's in our show notes. Oh, Jill, I so love chatting with you. You and I speak such a similar language that I was just like eating it up. Like, yes, yes. You're like, that granted, this is podcast. I want to interview you. I have so many questions that are like right here. Yeah, it's funny. Like, this is, I know it's a podcast so people can't see, but as you're speaking, I'm like shaking my head like, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So it was so fun. Well, thank you for your time. 
Thank you so much. All right, I'm off to go make some chicken soup. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.